netcasting from Chicago, Los Angeles, and Sydney. You're listening to this week's FX Podcast from FXGuide.com. Hi, and welcome to the FX Podcast. I'm John Montgomery. And today's podcast covers the recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows movie. And more specifically, it's a conversation that Mike had with VFX supervisor Pablo Hellman from ILM. And what's cool about it is uh, really focusing on the animation and more specifically uh, the facial pipeline uh, that they have improved over the years to actually make the performances even better than what they've been in the past. So really uh, interesting conversation. We're going to get to that in a second, but I just want to really quickly point out that we, as many of you know, we actually released our iOS version of the FX Guide app several weeks ago. And over the weekend, uh, we actually released our new Android app. So if you want either of those apps, uh, you can find them on the right-hand side of the FX Guide site. You can download on the App Store or get it on Google Play. Just click one of those buttons. And again, the idea behind this app is to get our content in a really nice, readable, clean form for viewing on a mobile platform uh, without a lot of clutter. I like to say it's focusing on the content, but uh, one of my favorite uh, features of it are the push notifications that happen whenever we post new content at FX Guide. You just get a notification on your phone, uh, whether it's an iOS device or an Android device or your Apple Watch, uh, something like that. So if you're interested in that, check it out. It's $1.99 on both the iOS App Store and the Google Play Store. Well, let's go ahead and cross uh, to that conversation now that we talked about earlier. This is Mike Seymour speaking with Pablo Hellman. I've been keen to talk to you about the uh, the pipeline on turtles. Um, uh-huh. And uh, in particular, if we could, I was just really keen to work out uh, how you'd... Uh, you seem to get more expression, I guess, into the turtles' faces this time out, and I was uh, really pleased to see that. And I was just curious how you managed to pull that off. <laughs> uh, well, we... Uh, you know, the same the same uh, team that, that uh, pulled together the... Uh, uh, Muse, you know, 1.0. Muse is the name of the, uh, the system that we're using for performance capture. Yeah. Uh, we just kept going with uh, Muse 2.0. <laughs> and basically, um, well, we did a couple of things. One of them uh, was to uh, put together a sturdy, you know, system, something that would be sturdy enough for uh, 900 creature shots, and that's all we had in this movie. Uh, so we basically doubled the amount of shots that we had on number two. Uh, so we had to come up with a system that was, uh, you know, strong enough and, and uh, allowed for um, kind of a speedy, you know, way to uh, make the solves um, uh, work. And in the first movie, we weren't able to do that because the majority of that film was basically research and development. Um, so, so that that that's one of the things that we did. We we made the system nimble and and ready for volume work. You know, a bunch of stuff. Um, and then the second part was uh, was the fidelity of it. You know, we um, sorted out. Uh, the pipeline and the way the computer is uh, sensitive to those 138 markers um, so that the sensibility of the system was like like double or more. So we started seeing from the beginning a lot of uh, things that we hadn't seen before, expression, you know, micro-expressions, 
together with being able to um, automatically track the pupils, you know, the, the eyes. So if we just talk about that, on Muse 1 that we talked about on the first turtles, uh, I understood that that was the first point that you did uh, basically eye movement, but also teeth and even the tongue, uh, I believe, because it was a stereo. Is it still a stereo set of cameras, like two cameras yes. on the head mount? Yes, there are two cameras, yes. It's the same, yeah, it's the same system. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but I mean, a lot of uh, the eyes were tracked, but there was a lot of human, you know, help. Right. With that, I mean, yes, there there were some. Yes, the the eyes were tracked, but there were some errors, and so we needed to fix it. In this one, the computer, you know, picked up the pupils just like this, you know, and and we were able to put all other, um, you know, effort into other keyframe uh, efforts. Right. Does that make sense. Yeah. Because there's there is um, there are a lot of stages on this. So the Muse system, where does that kind of end in the pipeline so obviously it's the it's the capturing at the raw end but i mean how much processing is encapsulated in the muse system where does it hand off to the next piece of software well um actually the, the it's a complete solve so after the complete so i think you've seen some videos of that you can see a kind of a, it's a new gui that has the face and the um um the the original clip and a render of it um, but uh, after the solve, then it gets it gets passed on to animation. I mean, it's a basically a match moving uh, kind of activity. You know what right. I mean? It comes but, through at the beginning of the pipeline through match move and for the body, and then match move uh, creature. You know, basically for the face, and then after that, it goes straight to animation. That's basically at the beginning of the pipeline. Yeah. So, but uh, obviously it's solving the face in terms of working out where the points are on the face, but there's a solve that has to go between the tracked points that effectively knows what's... So let's say yes. take the eyebrows and the eyes. It's, it's seeing where the eyes are, seeing what the eyebrows are doing, but it has to get that connected to the rig, which in turn is right. where the snap solve technology comes in. Yes, the snap, the snap, yes, exactly. We we went a lot more with the snap solve as opposed to, uh, you know, getting into the keyframe. Right. Uh, and so the snap solve will come up with everything, you know, the eye, the the eyebrows, the the also the lips, because that's the other thing that we changed. We even though we had 138 uh, markers, they were put. Some of the markers were put straight onto the lips. Right. And so, uh, and that we didn't have before. If we use Noel Fisher as an example, who obviously plays uh, uh, Michelangelo, so he's on set and he's giving his yeah. performance. Are you solving to a digital version of Noel's face just to sort of have as, yes. a, as a kind of quality check or do you go right through straight to the targeted character? No, 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 no. We go through Noel's. We go through now. I mean, that's a kind of like the difference between any other system that I that I know of, that other facilities are using. Like I don't, I don't think the weather system is using that. I mean, we're using a digital double for every one of the characters, and then that drives the performance. Right. So and then that you, gets retargeted. In, yeah. So as a supervisor, you're going to see um, 
uh, as you're watching the process, you obviously, you know, you could be on set watch or motion capture watching Noel give his performance. But from a technical point of view, is the first time that you kind of review uh, stuff when somebody's got a 3D version of Noel's performance and you're kind of judging whether you're happy that that matches yes. what he did on set? Yes. Yeah, it's exactly that. And that's the first time I see that very quickly we, we target Dan into the Turtles. Right. And so from then on, from then on, basically what I see is uh, a movie file that has, it's divided into three parts. It has a big um, kind of, um, you know, orthographic render of, um, of the performance onto a turtle. It also has um, the clip where that's, this is coming from, which is, uh, you know, just, just the, the regular cinematic lens. And then the two, you know, the left and right um, distorted uh, cameras. That's what you see when you reveal it. Right. When, and you, when you review it. And so I guess the thing is then you have the opportunity, let's say for some reason later in the process, if you um, had a shot that you weren't perhaps comfortable with for whatever reason, you or the director, you could just look at the retargeting rather than having to go all the way back up the chain, right? Because you've got these kind of intermediary stages yes. of quality. Yes, you do. You you do have it like that. And then what you would do is you would just uh, uh, either edit those curves, you would open up the folder and, and you would edit those curves, or you can do it through sliders. Also, the other thing that is different in this system is that we tailor the solves to a specific formula that would take into, the, into account how an animator would do it. That's interesting. If that makes sense. In, in what respects? So, what the, well, you see, in the number one, uh, this, if you open the solve, you ended up with a bunch of curves that uh, didn't uh, didn't take into consideration the, the the animator. For instance, if you ask an animator to come up with a happy face for an asset, right? Depending on the animator, they would combine muscle systems and rigs and you know um, approaches so that you know that so that it's comfortable for that specific animator. So there there wasn't a specific formula. But then we started analyzing the fact that several animators would would combine muscles and and rig and rig handles in a specific way, and we saw we let the computer solve it in a specific way, so that now when we are editing those curves it kind of makes a lot more sense right, to an right. animator. Right, that makes sense. Because otherwise, otherwise, otherwise uh, what happened too in, in number one is that an animator would open those, those curves and start moving stuff around and it, they would break the model <laughs> because, the com because the computer would make not an educated you know, guess as to what an animator would do. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And by breaking it, you mean they'd go off model? They'd go outside the yeah, sort of, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then you have to, uh, you have to do, um, you know, um, shapes and a bunch of stuff. So, but, by the way, that's another thing that that we didn't do in this movie, and we didn't do it number one. There was no really core shapes that we uh, that we did for the face. In other words, the solve was so good that we didn't have to correct it. That's interesting. So now to get that first stage of getting to Noel, presumably you had to do detailed uh, uh, scanning of uh, Noel. Were you using the Medusa system? And how did you get Noel's sort of geometry to, to target in the first place? Yeah, no, yeah, we definitely used the Medusa system. We had him 
you know, do the same uh, the same shapes that we did for number one. But now, you know, the the, the guys don't change much because they're young. But we we do it again, and then we go through a specific, you know, systematic way of uh, capturing um, um, a bunch of expressions and. On this one, I think we stopped at about 55 different expressions, so the whole system was based on 55 shapes. Is there any advantage in getting null while sitting down in the Medusa system to deliver lines, or is it so different from what he would do on on the set as he's performing that it's not sort of a relevant capture? Well, I mean, you could do it that way, but we didn't do it that way because you're not only dealing with Noel. He generally is dealing with another three actors. Right. Number one. Number two, we, we went through so so much trouble, uh, you know, trying to get the, the, eye, the eye tracks, you know, the eye tracking software to work. Um, that when they're sitting at their, you know, and, and they're performing with nobody, there's the eye, you know, the eye movement is, is gone. I mean, basically, you can't use it. Right. So, so in a sense, that because you've got all this extra fidelity, you actually need to have them doing right. the relevant stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think you always want to do that. So, and then also, this is not a project that actually uh, we we ever thought of. You know, uh, having a performer at uh, at the Medusa. There are other projects we're doing in which we're doing that, but not in this specific one. Like because, like I said. There's so much comedy going on, and also the whole system is trying to do it on the set. Yeah, yeah. You know? So the characters um, are now uh, working as a, to say that there's a 3D version of the 3D, uh, a 3D actor version, um, but you have to retarget mm-hmm. it, of course, to our, um, to our turtles. And the thing here is, and we've discussed this before, is they're obviously anatomically quite different. Um, have, did you do any yeah. tweaks to the kind of effectively underlying muscle stuff? Because obviously it's a lot easier to map a muscle to a muscle if there's if there's one that, at the other end. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Like if if it's uh... yeah, you know what? We didn't change much. I mean, we did change aesthetically the the assets. You know, we 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 made them a lot more appealing. And uh, and we softened, you know, some some uh, some features. But the one, the other thing that we did change was the animation itself and the the tone of the animation. I mean, the first movie was more of a monster movie, yeah. and one of the one of the mandates for number two was kind of like, can you make it more appealing? So what that meant is that the rest poses would change a little bit, so that rough on the rest pose is not grumpy anymore. So, um, and also the animation is a lot friendlier to, you know, to an appealing, uh, you know, face shape. It, um, it did so seem like... that also changed. Yeah, it did seem like they were slightly more individual and I couldn't work out if their individuality was coming from their performance and rest poses you describe or that you'd done any animation tweaks mm-hmm. to them, in, sorry, modeling tweaks to them because they had much, sort of like a more right. distinctive individual personality. I think yeah, I think it comes from uh, from those two things that you mentioned, but it also comes from the technology, because because you see, for me, it's like um, you know I always make that this analogy. It's like listening to music from the room next door where the music is being you know originated. You know what I mean? Uh, number one, it was like that. You listen to the music from another room. Number two, in, in, in Turtles 2, it's like you opened the door and you went into the room where the music was and you, all of a sudden you just listen to everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like really that different. 
uh, it's like, it, like for instance, there's there's a couple of scenes uh, where where uh, Noel, um, you know, is really upset about being called a monster, and and he started crying. I mean, Jesus, you can see everything. You know, all these little bits, there's a micro thing that he does with his lower lip. I mean, the computer just picked it up like, like that. Can and I ask so you? That also won't, yeah. I was going to say, because we're getting this subtlety, because you're getting this fidelity now, just at a logistical level, um, the turtles have obviously a different shaped head, different shaped skull, and, 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 and of course they do. But I'm just wondering to get, if the eye tracking is that good, do you have to place the um, the eyes the right human distance apart so that the the point of yeah. focus is correct in the turtles, and then build everything out around that? Yes, because the convergence is different. Right. So, so it's if usually, I was to yeah to line up Noel with his relevant character, their effective real world dimensions between the two eyes are the same. Is that what you're saying? No, it has to be close. I mean, it's, it is really close. I, I think the, uh, the the difference in size is about a third bigger. So in other words, the turtle is 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 bigger than the actor, especially on on Noel because he's really short. Um, but uh, and then you have to adjust a little bit of the convergence at times. Right. And not only that, but also <laughs> the other thing that we also found that is sometimes the actors are looking at the camera. <laughs> especially when we're, or yeah, especially when we're when we're doing work on the mock-up stage, yeah. you know, not not on set, but on the mock-up stage, because they don't know where the where the coverage is coming from. Right. Sometimes they would be looking straight into the camera, so we would change that, which in this system was a lot easier to do because the curves were a lot better organized. Because their eyes are about the most human aspect of the turtle, right? I mean, it's and also your best shot at getting a good exactly. performance. Yeah, that's why we we put so much emphasis in getting the computer to do those those uh, those you know those tasks. Because it's a lot easier it's a lot easier for for an animator to make a mistake than for the computer to mathematically just follow the the eyes and and. The convergence is really tricky. You know, sometimes you would take a look at a turtle, and there'd be, you know, in number one, there'd be cross-eyed. Right. And uh, because it's such it's such a you know such a thing that we do with our eyes, so we say, well, if we're missing that part, the 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 eyes are really super important. So let's get the computer to do what it does best, which is tracking, and then just keyframing if we needed to. So so I think it worked. I mean, it was it was it was really nice. Now, in, in terms of the rest of the face, um, did you do any work on the uh, phonemes or any of the lip syncing uh, stuff? Because obviously that's, again, the mouth's a bit different and uh, certainly when you get into some of the right. other characters like uh, Bebop and Rocksteady, they're very different. But um, Yeah. See, the, the turtles were different in terms of the approach than, the, than Rocksteady and Bebop. Uh, Rocksteady and Bebop were completely keyframed. Right. Uh, and there was a reference from the actors, but it was just video reference. They, were, they weren't wearing anything. They, were, they weren't, you know, uh, they, there was no, uh, no tracking markers or anything like that. Um, and the, for the turtles, yeah, I mean, obviously, all the diction and everything else, uh, you know, has to be done and redone and, and rechecked, especially because um, in this movie, we uh, we try to combine shots into one, you know, and then, and then, but then the edit would just do, would just edit certain parts of it, and the audio doesn't really quite sync when you're doing that kind of stuff. 
Right. So you have to be really careful. You have to be really careful. Sometimes you have to rethink things. Um, but with Roxanne and Bebop, uh, again, it was just the majority of it was uh, was keyframe, and then there was some mock-up uh, that we did with stunts for some of the fight scenes and yep. things like that that were combined with keyframe animation. So for the uh, turtles themselves, um, you were splicing together different performances of like, um, you know, uh, I don't know, Leonardo with, with Michelangelo, or were you doing like on Noel's performance, you were using different parts of Noel's performance to do an aggregate different Michelangelo performance? Yeah, we did both. Okay. Uh, so you have the four turtles acting, and so sometimes an actor, uh, one of the turtles would have like two performances, uh, you know, put together, and, and another one would have one, and another one would have three performances. So you just all, all kind of stitch together. So you, you have to put it together because of that comedy thing. Uh, it's really difficult. Other, otherwise, you, you really can't move on on the set because you have four actors, uh, with a script that changes uh, every 20 minutes or something like that. Um, and you can do multiple takes, you know, all the time. So, so now we've got them um, well animated and you're happy as a supervisor with the performance that you're seeing. And we're going through to render. Did you um, have to work, I, didn't, I don't think I've ever got to ask you this, did you have to work hard to be able to see those eyes because inherently in the design of the characters there, since the cartoon days, they're wearing these kind of masks and of course that puts additional right. shadowing problems and we want to see their eyes because that's, the, that's key to Definitely. the performance. It's a, yeah, it's a completely different rig for the eyes, uh, especially because we wanted that refraction that you get you know, in your yeah. eye yeah. when the lighting is coming from one side. So that doesn't, uh, you're right, that doesn't happen because of the, I mean, normally right out of the box what happens is that you get a shadow yeah. because of the masks. And so then you have to re-rig it and then cheat the light. But the thing about this movie is that it's so uh, colorful and so, um, you know, there are so many light sources from everywhere. Unless you're you're on exterior, you know, like in the second part, like in the Brazil part, where, you know, you only have one sun and stuff, and you're exterior, and also at the end of the movie. But... But inside the layer, it's so everything's so colorful and so um, you know so forgiving when it comes to putting in a specific rig, uh, especially on Leo because Leo, on top of that, he has glasses and so you have yep. caustics and you have refraction that comes through it. Um, so yeah, it's a completely different. Uh, I mean, it might it might look like one lighting setup, but it's not really. It's like it's it's like completely different. Yeah. But but I mean, obviously, in the real world, if you were lighting a you know highly paid actor, you'd you'd do special eye lights and all that other stuff anyway, because that's what you just do, right? It's, it's movie making. <laughs> yes, you would. Yes, you would. Except uh, the DP. I mean, Lula. I love Lula. I mean, he's he's great. Uh, but sometimes we may have time to light the four actors exactly the way that we want it. Um, and so so we ended up with, uh, it's kind of, I would talk to him and I would get an idea of what he wanted and then we did, you know, some reference passes with spheres and, and some HDRIs and then, and then we would change it in the render, you know. Which, by the way, also the lighting was different than number one. This movie was a lot brighter, like about two stars brighter. And you're referring there to Lula, um, who's the, uh, the cinematographer, who was also the director of photography on the first film, right? So it was his... Yeah, number one, yeah. yeah. But, the, but, uh, but, but what changed was not necessarily the cinematography. What changed was the color timing. Okay, that's interesting. In, in, the, in, the, 
Yeah, in the first movie, I mean, everything was, you know, we, I mean, the the the, the negative was pretty thick. So there's there's a lot of density right there, but in the first movie everything was like timed down, and in this one, uh, because of how much <laughs> how much performance we were putting into the turtles, we just went with you know something really bright that will allow everybody to see what we were doing, you know, which was great. So. So now I want to talk to you about the uh, body acting. So of course you've got the guys there, and let's let's leave um, uh, Noel alone for a second because we've been picking on him. <laughs> let's talk about one of the other actors, like yeah. Pete. So let's say Pete's there and he's acting out. Um, there's a physicality, obviously, to a performance you know, when it's retargeted in any respect. But these guys have quite solid things on their backs, being the the famous half shells. Yeah. Um, but they've also got quite large uh, musculature, which would mean that their arms would have to sit out from their body a long way. Right. How, how relevant yeah. is the motion capture given that you have to have these allowances for not literally having intersection between, say, bicep and, and, yeah. Uh, and chest plate? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, we try to remind them all the time and, and they develop their own, you know, work, um, you know, signatures. And, yeah. uh, and also, we also, um, you know, as part of their character, they needed to develop a way for them to be on the set. You know, it was because because so one of the characters is delivering the line, the other three need to be doing something. They can't just be standing there. Right. So they, every one of them developed something else. Like, for instance, <laughs> there's something pretty annoying that, uh, you know, a couple of uh, actors would do with their tongues, you know, that we had to match later on, which actually was great because it added to the uh, to the performance. There's one shot in which, um, you know, Donnie, uh, Donatello, is uh, thinking about something and he sticks his tongue out and then puts it back in again. And so, <laughs> so this is something that Jeremy's doing that on set. But, you're saying? Yes, he's doing that on set, and that's something that Leo, that Pete did that too. I mean, he developed. I mean, it was something that they would do. Uh, I I also asked him to do something with their tongues inside their mouth, like you know, put it like tongue on cheek kind of a thing. Yep. And push their cheeks out a little bit because uh, that would make them uh, a little bit more recognizable, like you were saying. And all those little things help, you know, uh, like, um, you know, uh, and the same thing with, uh, with the, you know, with Bebop. I mean, he, he's always like playing with his hair, you know. Um, and, and so that's something that the actors would bring in and would help us uh, distinguish them. You know? So you've got a scene like they're having the pizza watching the uh, basketball game at the beginning. And that's a scene that plays well in my head in terms of you being able to capture them because they're sort of effectively sitting around and, and that right. know, doesn't, doesn't involve a massive... It's a technical problem in terms of getting great performances, but it's, you know, it's logistically feasible. How the heck do you approach... Going down river with tanks and uh, rapids and uh... well, uh, yeah. So well, then I, I was in Brazil for about uh, ten days. How'd you so enjoy that? I directed second. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I have done that for Indiana Jones. For, right. So we we instead of uh, instead of getting the waterfall part, we went into the rapids part, which I knew very well. So I went there for about ten days, and we shot all kinds of you know helicopter plates and uh, and boat and land plates um, with you know a, a huge um, you know crane that would just uh, you know just kind of graze the water and and uh, and would be moving all the time. 
I, I imagine you had stunt guys, uh, or did you have did you have Noel and Jeremy and Pete and stuff down there, or was it stunt guys? No, 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 no. We didn't, we didn't have stunt guys there either. I mean, one time we almost fell in the water too, which you know, it's it's really. Oh, really so there was dangerous. no one in the water. Uh, no, there was no one in the water. Okay, but and, but you're right. You, you you picked up the uh, the you know the interaction with the water and the turtles is great. I think. Yeah, it's really you great. Know, but it, is that because you've got and replaced most of the water with your own water, or because I was imagining that you had people uh, splashing around and you were kind of using that as a as a guide? No, no, no. We couldn't splash around. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I mean, I haven't. it's like 247. Yeah, it's it's like it's so huge. I mean, the, that waterfall, the, one of the waterfalls is like 300 feet. Oh no! Obviously, so, I didn't think I didn't think you sent stuntmen off the waterfall, but there are obviously those scenes when they're <laughs> on the other side of. No, uh, no, no. no, but but we uh, we started with the with the shot blade and we replaced half of it. Right. Let's just say. So yeah, ex- except for three shots that were completely CG water. Right. Uh, there were there were three shots that were actually in a very in a rapid itself, and it was kind of a, a very narrow section of the of that of that sequence uh, was completely CG water. Now, on one hand, you might think, oh, it's really good if you don't have to, um, you know, worry about uh, uh, sort of replacing people and taking out stunt guys and stuff, but but tracking into water in other words if it's a fully cg shot great but if it's not you, you know you don't have a lot to track to because everything's moving camera's moving water's moving right. everything's going crazy right. and you've got no way you can hold a gray ball out and get good hdrs off the top of a of a, a roaring um kind of torrent so right. it's a bit of an yeah. is it old school in terms of like getting that stuff to sit in and match is that just down to ilm's it team's is. skill yeah no it is it's kind of you have to brute force it you know, kind of a thing. I mean, you know, in a way, it's a lot more difficult. In a way, it's a lot easier because the water is always moving, and um, and you can uh, you can actually do a lot of stuff, and and it kind of matches in. But yes, you're right. I mean, all the fluid simulation has to move the speed, has to move the, all the water, the white water, the mesh water, the you know, the the, the splashing water or or the uh, or the mist. All that has to be interacting with the with the real plate. It's it's really difficult. But and and well, you mentioned also the lighting. Actually, if you actually take a look at those shots, lighting never matches, which is oh, seemed to match pretty well to me. Because, <laughs> you see, that's the thing is that you I it's always desperately trying to make sense of what we're seeing. Yeah. So, but but the light is always either side side lit or back lit or or diffuse completely diffuse lighting because it was cloudy. And depending on where you are, when you know within the fog and the mist, you don't you don't even see the sun. But your eye kind of puts it all together. But if you actually take a look at, at that shot by shot, light never matches. <laughs> That's something I learned from Spielberg. You see, because one time I was talking to him, I was saying, you know, Stephen, you, you know, the lighting doesn't match. He says, he said, I'll take the mismatch. I don't care. Nobody will see it. And you're just going with the action, you know. So and he's right. So what were you technically rendering both the turtles and the water in to, to pull all this off? And was it different between there and those sort of earlier shots when we're in, the say, the basketball environment? 
Um, yes, they were completely different. On the on the water in Brazil, there was uh, some geometry that was uh, built out of the plates that we shot, and the the geometry was matched. And then um, the uh, you know basically the ground level, which is the water level, was matched completely matched. And then we render water uh, that had the dynamic, the same dynamic, um, you know, characteristics of the water that we have shot. And 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 it was mainly about the interaction of the turtle around the turtles and all the white water that that, that creates. Like the last, I think the last three shots from there, and they they stand up and they walk out. If you actually look at those shots, yep. there's all this white water that is around them, and so all that render goes with them. Right. Um, and the and the plates were mainly you know the plates that I shot. Uh, now on the Mystone Square Garden it was different because we were there for two days to shoot. One of them was the actual Clipper game against the Knicks, and yep. we put two cameras on the jumbotron. Um, um, but inside the Gemotron, there's really nothing there. There's, there's, there's no an environment like the one that you see in the sure. movie. That, that, that was made up. Uh, so we put two cameras there, and we had another six cameras throughout the whole, um, the whole, you know, Mason uh, Square Garden. Plus, we had the, also the broadcast cameras that could give us footage. Uh, so that that we spent the, the first day, and that was a real game with you know thousands of people. The second day we came in with about um, you know ten ten or fifteen players that came back from the Clippers and the Knicks to shoot specific things. Uh, but there was and there was about four hundred extras or something like that. So we would put people behind the you know the the camera direction, but all these other people were completely CG generated. Every time you're on the on the you know especially when that um, uh, when they step on the on the pizza, piece of pizza yeah you 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 can't do that they don't let you do anything to the to the floor <laughs> well so that's all I, or, or, or do I imagine they want uh, highly expensive professional uh, players uh, sort of skidding on anything but yeah, that's right that's the other thing yeah it's, it's yeah it's like you ask uh, and I think Andre that's that's the name of the guy. You know, can you just fall there? It's just, well, sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they they let them do some stuff, but but not much of it. And so all that stuff is all CG together with the people behind them. But um, at the other uh, end of the, the spectrum, what were you yeah, rendering these things in? What what uh, was your choice of renderers? Um, it it was just render man. You okay, know, and that uh, was, was the same for the fluid stuff and the and the Brazil stuff. Well, the fluid, the fluid simulation is obviously, as usual, is a proprietary system, and we rendered uh, some of it in Houdini, um, and some of it. Oh no, no, we we uh, we yeah, we use Houdini for some of the fluid stuff and some of the other fluid stuff. Uh, it's just proprietary uh, engine, uh, but the, but everything was rendered on Renderman, yeah. Right, and in terms of um, doing that in. Uh uh, Render man, I presume were you in the um, RIS stuff or were you in still rays? No, no, we were just using rays because uh, it wasn't ready. Because uh, I, I, there must be kind of interesting subsurface issues with turtle skin. I don't know what they are, but uh, it can't be like just straight out of the box. 
Yeah, no, they're not. And also, uh, uh, it's not only uh, the scatter, but it's also the wet uh, asset. So those turtles had different assets for different things. So when they were in the water, it was a completely different asset with different uh, values for scatter and different, you know, um, values for for wetness. Um, and uh, the same thing with the just with the tank assets and all these other parts of the you know the plane going down into the water too. Um, and it, there are quite a few secondary characters that we haven't really discussed. I don't know if you want to um, uh, pick on that uh, up on any of those, but um, the uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember the name. The the Krang. The, the, the uh, Krang? Is is he the um, martial arts expert of the turtles? The um, Oh, um, um, the rat guy. Oh, oh do you um, mean the splinter? The, oh, splinter, the rat? Yeah, sorry, splinter. My, my, yeah, that's my, okay. Uh, <laughs> so no, the, the big rat, you mean. Splinter looked like he'd been uh, given a makeover as well because there was particularly impressive work yeah. going on his fur and sort of. Yeah, He's, yeah definitely. Uh, that's the other thing. It's part of the appealing part of those characters that uh, if we were going with the original design, you know, basically had barely any hair. And so that wasn't very appealing. So we decided, okay, well, it's, you know, the, the, the furrier we got, uh, and also uh, there was some modification in the muscle, uh, you know, in the, in, the, um, in the jaw and how he talks and the, and the eyes too. And then uh, the color of the, the, the fur. And then once you have that and then you lit it in a specific way, it's always, you know, like you said, side lit or back lit in right. a very dark environment. He tends to be pretty, uh, pretty nice and and a lot more appealing, and so all that uh, is also keyframe. We didn't have an, an actor there um, that um, you know for just for eye lines for the for the turtle actors, uh, and also uh, to give some kind of a framing you know sense. But the actor didn't. Uh, but we replaced them completely. And and the voice comes from uh, Tony Shalhoub, so that comes from an ADR session. So you've done two of these uh, turtle films now. If you is there something you learn on this one you would take if you just if you were doing a third one? Is there some like technical or pipeline uh, lessons from this one that you learned? Because it seems like you you learned from the first one into the second one. Yeah, I think I think definitely. I mean, I think I uh, love to get more sensibility, you know, into the into the performances and the computer uh, to do a lot more of what he's doing. Although, like I said, you know, right right now he's doing a lot. But then the other thing that I think we're going to push if if we get to make a number three is what what happens on the set, you know, because on the set. We, we're not really seeing anything. We're not, you know, when we're framing a shot, we're just seeing the actors, but we're right. not seeing the turtles. And so um, I think one of the things that we want to push is completely seeing uh, a, an acting turtle, um, you know, on another monitor where we can see and, and a, a kind of a live compositing uh, system. Um, even even if it wasn't you know exactly uh, live, if it was like you know like 30 seconds out, uh, it would actually help everybody because I really do think that when you're seeing the turtles, you would definitely frame the shots in a different way. Yeah, um, especially in blocking, right? I mean, framing up and blocking when you've got the physicality of them, it would help, I imagine. Definitely. And I think you probably sense too that we use a lot wider lenses, you mm. know, in this movie. 
because that's one of the things that we learned on number one that we were just too it was too claustrophobic the the turfs were so big and so we kind of pulled back on this on this movie and maybe maybe at times it was a little too much so it's a combination of things. There's some, this one specific shot that it, uh, I really love at the end, which is kind of like the Emerson, Lake, and Palmer shot. You know, you know that cover on Emerson, Lake, and Palmer when the, the three of them are right next to each other. It's a very, it's a long lens shot that you only see their faces, but they kind of stuck up. You know what I mean? One behind the other. Yeah. And there's one shot uh, when when you see the four turtles, you know, kind of like the four faces, you know, one one in front of the other, that is really 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 nice. So I think in the next one, I'm gonna I'm gonna experiment a little bit more with longer lenses and see what happens. <laughs> um, but it would be great to see the turtles, right? Yeah. So, so let me um, let me ask you this: the uh, the technology sits inside ILM. I know it does from Avengers talking to others about um, the uh, Effectively, I think it's called the monster mirror. It's the idea of having a, some kind of real-time feedback on a system so the actors right. can... Tr- have you ever tried that with these actors so that they can see some kind of... to actually influence their acting choices as to what facial expressions they're doing now that you've got so much fidelity in the capture? Yeah. No, we didn't, but that's definitely in the number three. Right. Uh, that's, that's how we're going to go into number three. I mean, uh, and the, the actors learned a lot from... Uh, from number one, uh, you know, they they just couldn't believe some of the things that we did. And then I was showing him some of the stuff, um, you know, as we were working together, and they were seeing the fidelity, you know, increased. Uh, but yeah, this is something else that we want to do for number three. That is number three, yeah. Right, yeah, because of course now that you're getting such accuracy of capture. They uh, the kind of decisions that they're making are being more literally translated to to the final product. Um, but then again, yeah. I guess the the actual actors now are getting more experienced in that because they literally have just done a couple of films. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things, and I think you can now that you see the sensibility was heightened. I think you can see the actors' faces in the turtles a lot more. Right. See, that's something that they told me too when they saw the movie. They was like, "Well, I could see myself in it." You know, where before it was like, oh yeah, a little bit. So I'm, you know, I'm just thrilled that you that you're able to see that. That's really great. Yeah, I mean, as I said, my takeout on this um, was that you'd got more fidelity in the faces, as in um, I was getting subtler expressions. The 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 uh, standoff at the um, break-in, you know, when the police station thing, when they sort of uh, oh, effectively yeah, yeah. captured. And then the other thing I was noticing um, is that they seem to have more identity. Each each character had more identity in separate yeah. performance, um, mm-hmm. which uh, again sounds like both a, a technical thing and a creative decision to make them a bit more like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yes. Well, it's been uh, great fun talking to you as always, my friend. Thank you so much for taking time. Much appreciated. No problem. Thank you. Take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Pablo Hellman. Pablo, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, what's cool about it, I think, is I haven't read anything or seen anything about that uh, in that specific detail online anywhere before. So uh, it was really great to get that kind of insight from uh, Pablo about what the team at ILM has been up to um, for that film. Well, that's it for this FX podcast. As I mentioned, be sure to check out the iOS and Google uh, Android app available. Uh, It's in the right-hand column on the website. And until next time, for my partners in crime, Jeff Seymour, (laughs) Mike Seymour, and Jeff Huser, uh, thanks for taking the time to listen. Bye. Bye.
please let us know if you have any suggestions for stories or future podcasts. You can reach us by clicking the Contact Us link at the top of the homepage. This podcast is copyright FX Guide LLC. Broadcast or redistribution is prohibited without the expressed written consent of FX Guide.